over the last um, couple of months, we've looked at some quite some quite tricky subjects. So I wanted to move on from that and and be a little lighter. Um, and um, the other thing I want to be able to do is over these next few months is is begin to bring other people's voices and experiences and situations into what we talk about in the living room. Um, so I want to kind of give you a bit of an introduction to where we're going over these next couple of months. Um, when we started the living room, it was, I think it was back in September 2017, um, because we were trying to do something a bit different, it was quite hard to explain to people what we were doing and, and why we were doing it, because it wasn't fitting within the exact kind of um, blueprint of how a lot of church-type um, organisations would work. It was quite hard to explain to people. And when you would talk to people about it, the first question everyone always asks is, uh, oh, how many people come along? Um, so whenever you talk about a ch- your church and you, you try and describe it as being something different, everyone always asks, oh, how many people come along? And um, it's a really difficult um, question. Um, you, can, you can answer it like, kind of clearly and just tell them exactly. But we made a decision when we started the living room that we, wouldn't, we weren't going to count numbers. We decided from the beginning that we just would never bother counting. So when people would ask that question of oh, how many people come along, it was hilarious when you turn around and go, I don't really know. Because um, people get really lost and don't really know how to respond to it. But there was a reason why we didn't want to count numbers. And I think it was because, um, I don't know, it was because, in a lot of ways, the pressure that gets put on you when you start counting numbers and and kind of counting how many people are coming each time, we felt like what we wanted to do is create a space where people felt they could just come along once or come along whenever they felt like they could or if they were new to church and their lives were busy that they could just come along and be a part of it without any kind of pressure to think, oh, well, I should be going every single week or if people had been... Um, been in church before and wandered away, maybe they didn't need the pressure of feeling like, oh, my attendance is going to be tracked or there's going to be an expectation of a high level of commitment in order for me to be part of this community. So we we decided that the the idea of putting pressure on people um, or or kind of an expectation on people was something that we wanted to, to remove. Um, and for a lot of people, that doesn't make sense. Do you need something, Becca? I was uh, just about to use those for a, uh, a demonstration. A demonstration. <laughs> um, so we we felt like that was that was an important shift, like kind of shift for us at the start. That we would try and create a space where there was never a requirement for us to count um, numbers of people coming, and it was quite hard in the beginning. But it was right to do it. Um, I mean, it was easy to count, <laughs> to count at the start, because there's literally five of us in a room a lot of the time. Um, but we didn't want our focus to be, we have to grow, we have to hit a number in order to feel like we're successful. I think that's where we landed. Um, and that was an important decision we made early doors. And we carried on working like that. But the problem is, didn't really factor in um, aircraft um, I'm just waiting for that to pass a little bit. We didn't. We didn't. Um, when we when we decided not to count numbers, we didn't really kind of think about the fact that actually numbers are the easiest way of working out whether something is growing or whether something is successful. And that's it's normal that you would that you would assess those kind of things. And I think we probably had a really simple kind of agreement that 
we worked out that if no one came, then it probably wasn't working. So we would we would stop it. <laughs> that's how we kind of that's that's the only kind of way we thought we'd end up doing it. But I started thinking, okay, well, if we're not going to count numbers, how are we going to measure kind of success? How are we going to measure whether what we're doing is is working or not? So I started thinking, okay, well, what about health? What about the idea that we would concentrate on individual people and trying to help people to become healthy? That felt loads better because we were concentrating on a on a, a, a metric that that felt like it was more person-centred rather than kind of um, achievement-based. That if we could concentrate our time and our energy on making sure people felt considered and supported and, and loved and, and um, were able to be healthy, then that, that felt like a much better thing to focus on. So I kind of settled with that for a bit and thought, yeah, this, this feels better than numbers, than just going on, on bodies and attendance. But then I had this weird moment where I thought, that doesn't feel right as well. Because if we want to create a space where everyone feels free to be who they are and to feel how they're feeling, to have moments of doubt, of moments of, of struggle and confusion, of massive issues with whether they believe in God and all this kind of stuff. If we want people to feel free to feel like that, then there's got to be an expectation that, that they're allowed to not feel healthy or they might be going through stuff in their lives where they're not healthy because of what they're having to deal with. So the idea that you use health as a benchmark of is everyone in the church healthy? Yes, they are, we're succeeding. Doesn't work because you sat there going, we want people to feel like they're able to be weak or vulnerable or struggle or, or have issues and still be completely 100% a part of this community. So this idea of health being a much better version uh, to measure was was kind of like um, thrown out of the, the water for me because it just didn't seem to work. I need to just check where I am in my notes because I've completely gone off, um, uh, off my notes. Um, yeah, so... So I think for me, the realisation that people being free to question and doubt and struggle and, and have issues, that became so important that, that it rendered the kind of health metric really unhelpful in the way that we were going to move forward. So I kind of had to put that one to the side and I sat there and thought, so what, what on earth do we do? Because I realised the actual issue wasn't whether it was about attendance or whether it was about health. The issue actually, when you stop and think about it, is more about the need to measure success in the first place. The idea that you would look at a group of people and have to at some point kind of represent that in a, oh, this is, this is what makes us successful. Or this is why we are so, this is why um, things are working so well, or this is why this is, this is um, achieving what it's achieving. Um, and I think it was that, that need to feel like you've got to be classed as successful was the thing that I think was the problem. So I kind of had to go on a bit of a journey and try and work out how do we, how do we let go of that need and that desire to be successful? Because the problem is we live in a society nowadays where we are driven to, to be successful. That really value comes from uh, achieving and winning um, and climbing 
um, and and being successful. That's how we often get our value. And, and most people, whether it's organisations or individuals, function in that kind of way. We feel best when we feel like we win. But the reality is, what we know from looking at God is he's not playing that game. The world might present this game that says this is what success looks like. The, the, the greatest news for us, really, is when we're all about pursuing God, he's not interested in that game. There isn't a game to play because he loves you whether you are achieving and winning or whether you are struggling and failing or whether you're just coasting in the middle and everything's mediocre. He loves you exactly the same. So removing this kind of need to have a, a criteria for success or a measure of success felt like one of the most healthy things to be able to do. But the dilemma is we're so used to measuring things or assessing things that without some kind of um, benchmark of what you're going to look at, you can end up at this point of confusion going, well, what are we like? Are we lacking drive and motivation or ambition and, and direction or focus? Because you can really easily feel like you do that. And I, I kind of had a bit of a, a wrestle with all this stuff, really, because I was happy to let go of this need to be classed as successful um, as a group, but really wanted to make sure that we had something to focus on. And I came across um, a really brilliant passage, which I'm going to read to you in two different versions of the Bible. Um, let me just pull it up. Um, it's uh, Matthew 7, uh, verses 15 to 20. Um, and it's called The Tree and Its Fruit. Fruit. Now, just bear with me as I read it, because some of the, some of the, the kind of analogies it gives... Um, don't always seem like they sound that right so it starts off saying beware of false prophets and so that's not really the point of what we're talking about but the essence of what it's saying is brilliant so this is what it says verse 15 beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep um but really but are really vicious wolves you can identify them by their fruit that is by the way they act uh, can you pick grapes from the thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. And I read that and I thought, man, this feels like an important shift that if we're not going to be people who are obsessed by success criteria, but instead are people who become known by their fruit, that seems like a much healthier way to move forward. Then I opened up the message and read what the message said. And this is absolute gold. So listen to this. It says, um, be wary of false preachers. It, like this isn't I'm not kind of saying I'm a false preacher, but be wary of false preachers who smile a lot. Dripping with practiced sincerity, chances are they are out to rip you off some sort of some way or another. Don't be impressed with charisma. Look for character. Who preachers are is the main thing, not what they say. A genuine leader will never exploit your emotions or your pocketbook. These diseased trees with their bad apples are going to be chopped down and burned. Knowing that it goes on, I'm going to read a bit more of the passage. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my father wills. 
I can see it now at the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our super spiritual projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. They are foundational words, words to build a life on. If you work on these, um, if you work on these words in, into your life, if you work these words into your life, you are like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you use my words in Bible studies and don't work them into your life, you are like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. When a storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. When Jesus concluded his, his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying, quite a contrast to their religious teachers. This was the best teaching they had ever heard. And I love it because that's the shift that I felt like I was desperately looking for that to be a community of people, a group of people that aren't focused on what, what can we do to show that we're successful? What can we, um, what can we present or what can we count or measure so that we can prove to everyone that this is successful? When we let go of that and say, actually, this isn't about success criteria. This is just about a group of people looking at um, kind of how we're doing our lives and inspiring each other to do that in the best way possible according to the way God wants us to work and I love that line in the the first version the New Living Translation version where it talks about you will know them by their fruit and it's talking both po positively and negatively but for me what I what I would love to see as we move forward as a group of people is that we become people who are really identified and known by our fruit, by the things that grow inside of us, the things that people recognise, the traits, the characteristics of God that come through in who we are and begin to show in our everyday lives. That, to me, is, is the most kind of pure kind of focus that we could have. So what does fruit look like? Over the next few weeks, we're going to spend time looking at what the Bible describes as the fruit of the Spirit. So they're kind of like the characteristics that begin to grow within us when we pursue that connection with God. And we can read about them um, in um, Galatians 5. I'm just going to quickly read you, read you a little bit of that. So it says, but the Spirit, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control there is no law against these things and actually when you think about the idea of if our aim as a group of people is to nurture each other but nurture this fruit growing in each of us that can only be good news for uh, our work situations, our family lives, our relationships, um, our colleagues, uh, our friendships. All these different kind of things can be positively affected when we choose to um, commit to developing this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
as I read that list, there's probably at least one that jumps out to go, man, I could do with a bit more of that. I could do with a bit more peace or patience. Wow, forgotten what that looks like. Um, so the idea is over these next, um, I don't know, it'll probably be about six or seven weeks, um, what I want to be able to do is look at these topics and ask, ask ourselves some questions of, okay, what does this look like if we can um, grow this fruit more in our lives so it begins to um, be more present in who we are and begins to impact other people? But I don't want this just to be about me unpacking each of these subjects. I want to, I'll, I'll do one or two. Um, but I really want other people to begin to contribute to this stuff. Now, it doesn't have to be you sat doing a talk. It might be that if you're not comfortable with that, that we sit and, and me or someone else will interview you, get you to tell your story and you can talk about how you've managed to... Um, process and navigate some stuff to do with these particular fruit and what you found your experience um because there's real power in so many different people's lives in this um in this group um that we really want to see we want to learn really from what god's done in you um and is doing through you moving forward and and actually we can all be like honest and reflective enough about it to go do you know what that this is still the ongoing challenge for me this is where i'm this is what i'm working on this is what i want to see change in my life it doesn't have to be a finished story it can be part of a, a process that we want people to feel like um they can they can contribute to so as we focus on those different elements, we'll be asking ourselves which of these fruits we'd like to see grow within our lives. And just making that commitment between you and God to invest that time in your relationship with him and, and push yourself in different situations to be able to see um, what it looks like when you trust God in those moments and begin to, to, to really push to see this fruit growing. So when I think about that list, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, those are the kind of traits that we want to be known for. So let's work together to nurture that kind of fruit in each of us as we move forward. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to be picking on people over the next um, couple of weeks to, to take on a week. Um, so if there's anything that particularly jumps out to go in you that go to say, oh, I really would love to share some thoughts on that, then come and get in touch. But otherwise, I'm just going to pick some people and uh, hope that you'll help me. Um, and if you don't see anyone else, it's because no one would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have spoken to a couple of people already, so um, there will be a few. But So that's where we're looking to go. We're, we're kind of lightening the mood from where we've been. Um, but the idea is this is stuff that I hope will be relevant to your everyday life and can really begin to, to help you feel like you, you are growing. Um, and, and that feels to me like a much more um, healthy way to move forward um, and it is, is much better than measuring those kind of things. So does that make sense? Cool. Uh, let's pray and then um, we're done. Father God, thank you uh, for this morning. Thank you that we were able to uh, quickly come up with a, um, a random alternative plan uh, and still be able to be together. Pray... Um, as we all go away uh, back to our, um, our normal lives, God, that we would just find uh, you really close and you with us. That if we're struggling with anything or we've, we've got tricky things to, to navigate, God, I pray that you would um, give us peace, but you'd also give us real insight into how best 
to deal with those situations. Um, I pray we would really find uh, comfort in you uh, as we as we move forward this week, and I just pray you'd be close to each of us. Amen. <laughs>